The adoption of electronic health records has been, like many healthcare solutions, a revolution with implementations happening at extremely rapid pace, and there are no plans on it slowing down. Hello and welcome to Dynamics High Five Podcast, our take on specific healthcare industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm Mindy McGrath, and I'm joined by my colleague, co-host, and fellow healthcare industry enthusiast, Ryan Hummel. Hello, everybody. In today's episode, we are chatting about how the utilization of EHRs in the U.S. healthcare ecosystem has changed just about everything, from clinical pathways and decision-making to patient experience and how medications are prescribed. And friend of Dynamic, Dr. Chris Nottie, Chief Information Strategist for Jefferson Health System, joins us a little later on in the show to dig into the good, the bad, and the potential of electronic health records. And stick around for our parting thought. It's that thing that we've either read, heard, or seen that we'd like to share with you. So How you doing, Ry? I'm doing great. This is an exciting topic for me. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about this revolution in the digital space in a past healthcare podcast, and we always are talking about innovation in digital. Um, <clears throat> but I think, you know, what's important to me is EHR is one of the first times we're actually talking about the vessel that that kind of supplies that innovation and the digital technology that exists. Um, as a point of reference, I think what we'll probably do today is interchange the terms EHR and EMR, electronic medical record. And I have <clears throat> Dr. Nadi, our guest today, validated that we can do that and interchange them. So I was like, hey, you're a doctor. Are we allowed to change and interchange the words? He said, yes, they're doing they, People do that every day. So yes, they do. Yes, yeah. they do. Well, it's so interesting, right? Like we have talked about the emergence of electronic health records, dating back to when the ACA first introduced this concept in the High Tech Act, which you know followed shortly after the ACA. That was, was the passed. genesis of this. Yeah. Right. Right. Like it was the incentive-based program that really um, wanted to motivate clinicians to adopt electronic health records, and the reason behind all of that was to try to. A, get us out of a paper-based system um, and tap into what we were calling at the time, like the, basically the skeletal framework of the healthcare system that needed to be more electronic in nature. Um, so you know, when you, you talk about what happened, I mean, that was a little over eight years ago, right? right? And now we're talking about electronic health records. Um, there are still a lot of complaints about them, but we're really talking about them as a vehicle that honestly could be a gateway um, to the rest of the healthcare system and, and talk about how they've you know, been viewed by other sectors and also how clinicians feel about electronic health records as almost a mainstay of what they do every day. Yeah, I think you're right. The evolution of the EMR or EHR to go from kind of an etern- internally focused vehicle to being externally focused. And you mentioned across the health system, but also across healthcare in a in general sense, across the sectors, I think is an important piece of this. Interesting to note, um, there's some research out about, you know, what the spend is on EHR. And I think my parting thought is going to... It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I, I think I was actually surprised to see that um, Grandview Research Group just mentioned that something like there will be It'll be $33.4 billion spent in the EHR market in just like the next five years. So, I mean, talk about expenses. I, I think, just think where we've gone in the last decade from an EMR spend. And so, I think healthcare systems and IDNs are really uh, seeing the value or the potential value in them. And they're willing to spend a lot of, a lot of ducats on it. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, there was also a, a penalty aspect of it as sure. well. Sure. They feel like they have to as well. It's right. a good well, point. They had to, yeah. actually. Medicare basically said if you didn't adopt these, you're going to be penalized in your reimbursement. But I do think, you know, what's interesting to see now or note now, right, is as electronic health records have matured and companies have maybe put some more effort into rolling out different types of releases and aspects to expanding what their products are within the EHR. I mean, we are definitely in like round two yeah, um, for a variety of reasons, right? Whether it is a health system that has evolved and they have new needs or they've gone through an acquisition and they need to consolidate maybe different types of EHRs. Um, we are definitely seeing health systems now not only invest in in round one, which was setting up their original electronic health record, but some of them are on round two, where they're reinvesting, right, in a new electronic health system, either because of dissatisfaction or because their expectations, business needs, requirements have evolved to the point that they they have to. Yeah, and I think there's there's kind of a space in between there between implementation one and implementation two. And that is there's there's a nice group of healthcare technology companies that have identified that there's a gap between the information <clears throat> internally that EHRs are collecting and that external functionality that they want to have. And companies like Walters Clore, Elsevier, they're creating these solutions to bolt onto these EHRs on top of that to magnify their ability to reach patients, to create clinical skills at a much more kind of um, usable level from a clinician standpoint, or even, you know, latch onto the EMR from a competency standpoint. So there, there are definitely um, articles around these health systems adding to an, or, or implementing another EHR, but also adding on to the one that they have now. Yeah. And another thing is, <clears throat> I think that with all of the consolidation we're seeing in the healthcare systems, part of the implementation is, okay, Mindy, if you're hospital A and I'm hospital B and we consolidate, I have you have EHR1, I have EHR2, deciding on which one to select because in order for you to be a real integrated system and be a, an IDN with finger quotes, you, pro you should have the same EHR, right. right? And so many times it's a consensus, it's a battle, but you know that's another reason why there's an implementation frenzy, I guess, right now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting to me because you think about, um, if we go back in time, right, and take a step back and think about the original intent of an electronic health record. Uh, it was really oriented towards driving, I think, a framework for clinicians to work within certain protocols and to follow certain pathways. pathways. Yeah. Uh, and there was an aspect of it that we used to call meaningful use, where you know um, physicians or clinicians or providers would, would actually be reimbursed and, and given bonuses if they were able to display that they were using that term meaningful use in a meaningful way. And there was, like, it was so nebulous, right? Like even though there were this, there was criteria and there were domains associated with it. Um, what we saw, right. Is that after the, the first kind of round of adoption is that there was a lot of data sitting in these electronic health records that still wasn't really being used in a meaningful way. And, and Dr. Nadi has an opinion on meaningful use. I think we'll hear a little later. I'm <laughs> sure he does. Um, but I mean, we saw that coming out loud and clear. We heard it loud and clear from many providers that adopted the electronic health record is that um, this is still not being used in a way that we can optimize patient care. And ultimately, that's what it's all about, right. right, is is really delivering the best care possible to 
to um, patients. And one of the things we also saw that went hand in hand, right, with meaningful use is just an overall lack of interoperability. Yep. I mean, that has really been this almost like unicorn type of, of goal um, or holy grail type of goal that that I think the systems wanted to get to is that we need to be able to share information. And yeah. so I think it's been really interesting, right, over the course of the last year that the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services actually um, decided to eliminate the term meaningful yeah. use and rename that domain promoting interoperability. Like crystal clear, you're going to promote interoperability and there are standards that are being worked on and, and solidified um, that are going to provide at least some more guidance than what we had eight years ago when this first started. Yeah, and I mean, having a North Star promoting interoperability makes a lot of sense to me. In a way, you know, if you think about eight years ago, nine years ago, meaningful use, you know, we just wanted, or the, or the, the government and I guess the society around healthcare felt it necessary to get to that first step of actually getting health systems and physicians and clinicians to utilize the EHR. But it does make sense how we've evolved to a title of promoting interoperability. It's now the fun comes of like, how do you do it kind right. of thing? And how do you make it the gatekeeper? You know, But it's the next natural progression, right? Sense. Like, it's So natural. everybody has implemented electronic health records. Now the question is, how do you really start to progress them through the organization and among organizations so that ultimately the interoperability piece is the piece that becomes the value added piece right. that we have to get to if we're like, I think if we're going to become a high-performing healthcare system, that has got to happen. What's interesting is there's also, you know, we're talking about the evolution of the term for meaningful use to promoting interoperability. There is there is a common headwind that still exists. I think it existed a decade ago, and it still exists. It's, it's the physician engagement or satisfaction with the utilization of these EHRs. Um, Dr. Gawande, who we know is a, a pretty famous uh, physician in the country, he was just charged as to lead the... Berkshire Hathaway, Amazon, J.P. Morgan. I didn't know which one to go first there, Mindy. So that huge consortia of companies that are trying to change healthcare, um, and and he's not a fan uh, of EHRs. And he wrote a real famous or or really interesting, at least, article in the New Yorker just recently um, called "Why Doctors Hate Their Computers." I found that funny. You know, it sounds a little bit like a dated title, but it, it's of the last year. And he talks a little bit about the EHR switch or implementation that his health system and IDN uh, took play, did uh, Partners Healthcare, which is a huge Boston IDN that includes you know, hospitals like Brigham and Women's. I think, I think Partners has 12 hospitals in its system now, so it's enormous. There was a $1.6 billion implementation of Epic, and he just didn't have a lot of positive things to say about it. And it's, it's kind of a, um, not, a, not a complex reason why, it's still, the implementation is still taking physicians away from that piece of the puzzle that is so important. It's interacting with the patients and their families and understanding at the end of the EHR, at the end of the of the pathway, there's a patient at the end of it. So it's interesting how we're going to fight that headwind. Yeah, it is interesting. And yet at the same, in the same breath, right, the data around a patient and collecting that in a way that is not uh, one-dimensional on a piece of paper that sits on a shelf somewhere, I think is also almost like the counterpoint to that. It's like, we've got to meet in the middle somewhere, yeah, right? Sure. And and perhaps I think a lot of the reason why we've heard clinicians in general and their dissatisfaction with electronic health records has been that they're bulky. Um, they require a ton of training. 
um, that the experience as a whole is just not user-friendly. It's not intuitive. It's not something that you would look at and say, okay, I know exactly how to use this EHR. So when a clinician is spending all that time trying to navigate through an electronic health record while they're also trying to treat a patient, I'm sure there's a natural tug or tension there that exists between where do I put my, my time, energy, and resource if I'm really trying to be patient-centric, which obviously, I mean, many physicians are, that's their calling, right, yeah. is to take care of people. And so I can, I can absolutely understand why there is a tension that exists between physicians and having this laptop in front of them or this notebook versus, you know, spending one-on-one time with their, their patient getting to know them. Yeah, what I think is interesting is <clears throat> what we forget is it was not that long ago that EHR utilization was, was kind of low. If you look at like the 2010 numbers, something like, I don't know, I think it was like 16% of hospitals had a basic EHR system. That was not that long ago. It's a decade ago. And that number grew to 76% according to CMS in 2014. And a lot of folks and a lot of studies were seeing it's something like 90%. So to go from like, you know, one to two out of 10 hospitals actually utilizing these EMRs to something like nine, you know, 95%, a big revolutionary change. So it's understandable how doctors have had to really change the way they navigate. And I'd say in the last couple of years, the way we utilize EHRs or or the future of EHRs from a gateway perspective has also been revolutionary. So it's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think the reality is that EHRs are not going away anytime soon. Um, You know, I think in order for for health systems to really um, be able to sustain in this healthcare market, I mean, they recognize that from a technology investment as a whole, right, that the technology is going to have to continue to evolve. And electronic health records, to me, is, have actually become like the cornerstone for many provider organizations. I mm-hmm. mean, they're here to stay. The data that's in them is relevant. They're able to put pathways in place. I mean, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about about cross sector but if i'm i'm in the healthcare industry from a life sciences perspective or a health plan perspective um, the electronic health record has actually become almost important as important to me as it has to a provider because it is the filter for how decisions are being made in many of these provider situations and yeah. the data that's in them um, really can can dictate what type of pathway is followed so for instance for life sciences companies right um, if your drug is not on that that formulary within that electronic health record, the chances are a physician using a, you know, most of the time it's like a drop-down type of menu, doesn't see that drug listed, how likely are they to prescribe it? Very low. And, you know, we, we've talked a lot about this a lot, maybe privately as someone that worked in a health system. If that provider ends up utilizing that drug that's not in their drop-down, um, they're folks that know about it, and that it becomes almost a shaming of sorts for because there's a consistent standard clinical practice and pathway that health systems and key opinion leaders in health systems really want the physician to follow. So they're almost mandated to utilize these drugs. Right, right, right. And that's where I think that we're seeing this, right? Like we talk about, well, our EHR is really the gateway to decision-making. I would argue that, yes, they are to some degree because yeah. – um, listen, physicians have a lot of, of patients to see. They have a lot of things to do. And um, if it's made easy, then they're going to follow that. And, yeah. and I think for, you know, other sectors, they they are um, putting their attention on the EHR because they're trying to figure out how do I become part of that process 
right, within that vessel that we talked about, which is the electronic health record, to ensure that there is access to my products and my services as part of just the the care treatment journey. Yeah, and, you know, it's not just life science. You know, I think it's a good pivot to talk about the other sectors mm-hmm. and, and the utilization of, of an EHR, some sort of health record. Um, it's just not life sciences that are going to benefit from the utilization of EHR. We just read about United Healthcare, the largest health plan in the country, instituting their own kind of EHR, right? And it, it, yeah, it's an individual health record, right? right? So rather, I, I think what's so interesting, right? There's all this frustration around electronic health records. Um, so what United Health Group has done is basically look at this from a different lens and say, well, rather than it being an electronic health record that resides in a provider and you're trying to link multiple electronic health records together, why don't we create an individual health record? And that individual that follows health, the patient. Right. It's portable. It follows the patient and it links to all of these EMRs that are within the provider network that a United Health Group has and so they announced this and said basically by the end of 2019 that it will be available to the 50 million members or patients. Let me repeat that: 50 million members yeah. in the United Group, right? Yeah, right. It's a big group, right? And that it will be available to one million providers that they have in network. So the interesting thing is they're they're looking at the medical record as um, something that should be portable and that really should be owned and consolidated for the patient versus the way that we've traditionally looked at electronic health records, which is really disparate systems that are residing in the provider and giving the provider construct, right, for how they, you know, how they do things within their organization with the hope of having interoperability. Um, United's kind of looking at this. Flipping saying, the script a yeah, little bit. Let's yeah, let's flip the script and let's, let's try it differently. Uh, and I think that's where we are going to probably see more entrants come into the marketplace that maybe are approaching the idea of medical records in a different, from a different lens, right? From a different perspective. And um, so I would not be surprised if we see other either health plans or healthcare technology companies that jump in and say, you know, we're going to have a solution that also tries to link medical records from many different locations, but it's something that is going to be owned what could we do differently? Yeah, and, and I know this, you didn't mean to do a good setup here, but it would be remiss if we didn't mention Amazon right. again. I mean, we, we mentioned Dr. Gawande, but um, they took a major step. Amazon took a major step in the health informatics world just recently in releasing this idea of Amazon Comprehend Medical. And it's kind of their take on kind of the EM, EMR in a different perspective as well to link the providers, the health plans, researchers, and clinical trial programs programmers and also in, include biotech in that as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a great article in Med City News about how they're going to enter that world as well. So you talk about United, you talk about um, Amazon, and just maybe six months ago, a year ago, you, you would you would not think of those non-traditional customers or non-traditional firms, consortias to, to kind of create an EHR or, or an individual medical record. So it's happening. <laughs> it is happening. And the amount of churn and change, I think, um, is interesting. I think what it does is it por- pushes uh, many of these electronic health record vendors, right, to invest in things like research and development and to continue to fine-tune um, what their offerings are. I mean, you've seen a separation of what's good, what's average, and 
what's just not working right, right. now in the electronic health we, world. We record. see what firms are winning the work. Yeah, we do. We do. We see what firms are winning the work. And I think they would even acknowledge, right, that in general, they're doing the best they can given how their system has been structured and they're releasing new versions of it and upgrading where they can. Um, but there's no way any one, I think, any one vendor, yeah. regardless of who it is, whether it's United going at this from an individual health record standpoint or whether it's, you know, the traditional epics and cerners of the world, they're all going to have gaps because there's just so much variability in the way that provider organizations are structured, what their requirements are, the way that they actually work, what the jobs are that need to get done. Um, so I think hopefully what that ends up doing is, is pushing all of them to really, you know, focus more on what the patient and the, the clinician experiences and how to make it easier and more intuitive to actually utilize these these really, you know, um, expensive, high investment vehicles that have now really embedded themselves into these organizations. Right. Joining us today is Dr. Chris Snotty, the Associate Chief Medical Information Officer at Jefferson Health. Uh, Jefferson Health is a large pioneering IDN in Philadelphia. He's board certified in family medicine and clinical informatics. He co-authors a blog entitled mdedge.com, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And in July, he wrote about the disruption of IT and healthcare and its comparison to NASA and SpaceX. So I'm excited to hear more. How are you doing, Dr. Nadi? Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, I think it's very fitting that we're talking about the idea of EMRs, their interoperability, and the idea that they're the fulcrum point for many things around healthcare. But you also write a blog around a lot of these topics and just read one recently about this. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, what it is you do, and some, a little bit about your blog as well? Sure. So uh, I'm a family physician by training, I'm board certified in family medicine, but also in clinical informatics. Um, as you mentioned, I serve at Jefferson as Associate Chief Medical Information Officer, and uh, I try to help uh, sort of integrate physicians and IT. Uh, I think that's a challenge that is growing, and I think physicians appreciate uh, sort of a physician that speaks geek, and the <laughs> geeks appreciate a, a geek that speaks physician. Um, so that's essentially what I do. Uh, for the last uh, eight or nine years, geez, it's been a long time, uh, my partner in crime, uh, Dr. Neil Skolnick, and I, um, we write a, a blog every month on the integration of technology and medicine. Uh, we just changed the title. It used to be called the EHR Report, and now it's the, um, the, the Medical Tech Report or something like that. I don't know what the editor changed it to. But um, the point is that uh, we no longer just focus on EHRs because the world has gotten so big. Um, and health IT has changed very, very dramatically over the last several years. The, the column I think you're referring to... Um, was sort of inspired by a vacation I had with my family this summer. Uh, we were in Florida, and uh, I am a space nerd. Uh, so I, A geek and a nerd. A geek and a nerd, yeah, yeah and not afraid to admit it. Um, my family and I, my son shares that passion, so my wife and my son and I took the opportunity to go down to the Space Center to watch the launch of a, um, a Falcon 9 rocket, um, one of the SpaceX rockets, and uh, it's... It's our third or fourth time going to see it. We love it. Um, but I was incredibly impressed at that moment uh, when I realized that this was a private company that was doing what uh, NASA only dreamed they could do, and that was uh, send rockets into space. 
Um, and it immediately made me think of healthcare and how um, innovation and disruption is kind of coming from outside of healthcare. And uh, folks are starting to look around at the world and say, hey, you know, technology is ahead of where healthcare is, and we need to do a whole lot better. Um, so that's what inspired the yeah. column and certainly something I'm passionate about. That, that's great. I, you think I, you mentioned going outside of the, the paradigms of healthcare to find solutions. I think of two things. I think of the idea of symphony, of bringing in things from outside of your world into the world to create solutions. And I also think of a great Daniel Pink book that we can plug later around the idea of perceptual competitors. So when the best problem solvers, I think, in healthcare are going to look outside of other hospitals or other health systems as competitors and maybe as perceptual competitors or rivals in, in the workforce, in the workplace. So it's great. Thank you for that. So if I can get into a little bit more detail and some questions, you mentioned something in your blog, and this is so fitting around this podcast around EMRs and EHRs. You mentioned that physician expectations for user expectation or user experience has far outpaced the current state of the art of the EHR. Can you like tell me a little bit about what you mean by that? I Ab love the statement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone that's ever looked at an electronic health record, uh, <laughs> probably their their initial thought is, "Wow, I'm looking at software that was written 20 years ago." Um, a lot of it looks like you know it's based on Windows 95. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's just very um, it's very unintuitive in a lot of ways, and that really stems from the fact that these software packages were designed and developed many many years ago. And instead of sort of rewriting, um, starting afresh when there's new technology, vendors keep sort of building on the old technology. There are a few vendors that I think do better than others, but for the most part, I would say that much of what you would see out there um, is really not user-friendly and, and not sort of typical for what we have come to expect. You know, 2007, Apple introduced the iPhone. You know, here we are 11 years later, and now they've, they're on the verge of, if they haven't already achieved selling 2 billion iOS devices, the iPhone has about 40% market share. Um, and we have all come to expect that when we pick up our iPhone, it just works. Yep. And when they introduce a new feature to the iPhone or Android or <clears throat> any other modern interface, we know how to use it. We don't have to learn. There's no instruction manual that comes with the iPhone. You don't have to go to training classes. Even my mom, who's, you know, in her mid-70s, picked up her iPhone and immediately figured out how to use it. Right. Um, that's what we've come to expect. Unfortunately, EHR vendors haven't gotten the message. They just don't get the fact that we want the EHR to be intuitive, and we don't want to go through weeks of training just to understand when they have a version upgrade, you know, sort of what subtleties have changed and where to find things we think should be obvious. It's a great mentioning around the vendors and their maybe reluctance to do something different. So how do you suppose those vendors change the way they do things? And, you know, just brainstorming here, I think you have a good mm -hmm. point of view on this. Well, I think there are a lot of things they ought to do. I know that some vendors put a lot into R&D, uh, but I say most vendors do not. Um, and I, I think that those that put more into that research and development um, and invest more in it tend to have sort of more successful products and products that physicians in general really like. Um, so I do think they need to be thinking a lot more about R&D. I remember reading years ago about cell phone manufacturers and how people complained that, you know, where they had dropped signal never seemed to change. You know, the, for years they'd complain that they had no signal in a certain part of their neighborhood or whatever – 
but the vendors never really changed it. And that's because the vendors were more concerned with expanding their market share, not surprisingly, than they were about fixing problems in their network. I think that as, as we see more and more customers uh, and health systems and physicians uh, on electronic health records, and we see them becoming more ubiquitous, EHR vendors are going to need to distinguish themselves based on how well they do at meeting user needs because it's no longer a novelty. It's no longer an issue of I'm going to get the EHR that my friend has because he said it's pretty good. There's a ton of knowledge out there about what is good and what isn't. So I think vendors are really going to have to focus more on research and development and user experience. So if I could take, you know, kind of this, some of the esoteric answering that we've been doing at a macro level and, and kind of big bang solutioning, I, I wanted to kind of get real about interoperability. We talk a lot about it here in the podcast, and I know we, we are non-physicians and non-clinical, so I want to hear from um, my good friend and a physician who lives in this space, is that, you know, we read about and we hear about health systems and IDNs that may have one platform, one EMR vendor or VHR vendor. And so you would assume that through the specialties and through through the hospital itself, there's interoperability. But tell us a little about a bit about that. And is that is that we still t- very far away from the the definition of interoperability? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Uh, I do think we have a long way to go, but there has been significant um, momentum recently to to get to that point. So. Let me step back a little bit. You know, a few years ago, all the rage was the concept of meaningful use, Mm -hmm. uh, which is sort of an ironic term because no one really found meaningful use to be very meaningful. Um, But as meaningful use has matured and has moved into the quality payment program and MIPS and MACRA and some of those new acronyms that we talk about so often, um, really the focus has changed to interoperability. You know, EHRs really started penetrating the market Uh, because of government incentives under meaningful use. What that led to was a lot of disparate electronic health records that weren't very good being adopted by physicians who wanted the payout of the incentive and were afraid of the penalty of not sort of adopting an EMR. It's almost like checking a box almost. Exactly. They just wanted to check the box. It wasn't long before they realized that their EMR didn't talk to all the other EMRs. I mean, it was sort of like the guy that bought the Betamax, you know, to to watch videos and then realized that everyone else had VHSs and he couldn't use them. And we've seen that happen, you know, year after year. We're showing our age, but I like it. Yeah, you know, okay, HD, DVD, and Blu-ray, you know, (laughs) or buying into one ecosystem, you know, a la Apple, and everyone else is on Google. I mean, it it really, it really becomes a challenge. And in the world of of healthcare, you know, there is another stakeholder, and there there are lives at risk. It's not just about what you like to have in your house and what you want to watch TV on. It's about what's best for the patient that's sitting in front of you. So I think. Thankfully, folks started realizing that just having an EHR wasn't enough. We really, really needed to think more about interoperability and doing what was right for the patient, and that was getting the information where the physician needed it, where the patient was. That's what we really needed to do. Unfortunately, we're certainly not there yet, but the newer incentive programs and the quality programs that we're working on really, really are focused on interoperability. So we need to figure out how to make it work, but there are huge challenges. One way to solve those challenges, before I even talk about what the challenges are, is for everyone to be on the same EMR. 
But that alone isn't really enough because one EMR vendor, no matter how big and powerful they are, cannot cannot meet all of the needs of all of the derivative programs that are out there. There are some like Epic and Cerner that are trying to do that. They really are trying to get everything under one roof. But even they will admit there's a lot of stuff they really don't do very well yet. So we're going to need interoperability with other systems. The challenges to do that, I mean, obviously, we need to nail down the standards. We've done a good job um, in many ways of nailing down the standards, but we're not there yet. The other thing we need to do is figure out a unique way to identify patients from one setting to another. I mean, even at Jefferson, where we have a mantra of sort of one record, one EMR, one patient, you know, one health system, you know, it, we have found that there are challenges just keeping all the systems talking to one another. Sure. Um, and, you know, I think we do a really good job, but I, I think we still are challenged by making sure we're getting the right patient every time. So until we standardize the way we communicate and standardize the way we identify patients and really standardize the way we think about an electronic record, who owns it, um, you know, how accessible it should be, how portable it should be. I think we won't get to true interoperability. That's that's great. And, you know, I think that it's an important piece is jumping from kind of challenges and opportunities, which there are a ton of, and we talked a lot about them already. What's something you're hopeful of when it comes to EHRs or, or data or technology in the healthcare world? Just get, let's end on a high note, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you, I am, I am really excited that um, we are starting to see real engagement from our patients. Um, so if you want to talk about what I hope for, um, what I hope for is a day when the patient owns the electronic health record. It's their record. No matter where they go, uh, they can plug that record into the system. The physicians caring for them, the team caring for them and around all of their needs have access to the data that they need to take the best possible care of the patient. And ultimately, when we look at population health and we look at those data that really kind of define our population, we can make real meaningful changes um, to personalize medicine um, and really bring patient care to the patient um, and do better, you know, prolong their life, but not just prolong their life, improve their quality of life and make them realize that they are really being taken care of. I am super hopeful by the fact that patients are more than ever being engaged in their health care. They want to use a patient portal, which in some ways is sort of becoming a thing of the past. I think the line between the portal and the patient and the physician is going to blur and the record is just going to be something that is part of them on their person, part of their electronic fingerprint, um, no matter where they go, it's going to be sort of day-to-day -day what they're doing. So I am really, really hopeful. Patients are getting more interested in wearable technology and interactive technology that communicates with the EMR and their physician, and they're taking a more active role in their healthcare. My patients are doing it. They're excited to be doing it. We're communicating better than we ever have before, and I have more data than I've ever been able to access, so I can really take better care of the patients. And finally, we're expanding the idea of the team, the care team, and who is responsible for caring for folks. It's not just the physician and the patient in the room. It's the social worker. It's the pharmacist. Um, it's the uh, behavioral health therapist. And these folks are embedded not only in the practice but in the same electronic health record. So now we truly have um, sort of interoperability on a micro level and a macro level. And I'm really hopeful for that. I think we're going to see great things to come. No, that's great. And I appreciate your idea of... Um, the emerging team in healthcare. 
getting patients more involved and engaged in, in their success as a human being. I think that we've talked a lot about at this podcast the chasm that exists between, or, or the kind of perceived chasm that exists between the information a physician or a clinician has and the patient has. And the idea of a didactic approach of you telling me as a patient what words that may not mean anything to me has proven to be ineffective. But what is effective is making these things, making these things part of their lives, wearables, getting to know other members of the healthcare community that can maybe speak the language that they understand. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm pretty hopeful about that. Well, thank you so much. I mean, we, we, we could talk all day about this, and I appreciate you coming in and telling us a little, a little bit of your slice of the pie when it comes to EHRs and interoperability. Well, it's been my absolute pleasure, Ryan. You know, I have a tremendous respect for how passionate you are about healthcare and about making it better for patients and improving lives, and I think that's what we all need to be looking forward to and uh, trying to accomplish. It's been really a pleasure being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. The VHive's always open to you, buddy. That was an awesome interview with Dr. Nadi. Um, and now it is time for our parting thought. So, Rye, how about I go first? I love it. Um, so I want to talk about a recent article from the Wall Street Journal that highlighted the incorporation of sensors into hospital furniture as a source point of medical data. So we talk a lot about the Internet of Things, and I think this is just the latest sign of hospitals' digital transformation efforts. Um, a major medical manufacturer of hospital beds by the name of Hill Rom Holdings is basically seeking to transform these hospital beds, which we now are, are ubiquitous, right, into a source of medical data. Uh, the newest hospital bed model will include center, sensors that monitor things like a patient's heart and their respiratory rates. And the sensors could check a patient's vital signs up to 100 times a minute and actually then alert nurses if there's a change above or below a threshold that could be concerning. Um, so I think the growth in this whole idea of the Internet of Things around how do you utilize actual uh, you know, furniture and medical equipment that is residing in a hospital just showcases the transformation of what we have traditionally thought of as low-tech medical staples into now useful data that may actually improve patient care. Um, so this article was in the Wall Street Journal. Check it out if you get a chance. It's really interesting. Um, that is a real fascinating parting thought, Mindy. Mine is a little bit more about some studies that just came out. You can find this at Reuters or any other of the of healthcare blogs and information. The CMS just released a very interesting study just in December, and that is that the U.S. healthcare spending growth slowed for the second year in a row. So um, slower spending growth for hospital care, physician and clinical services, and probably more surprising for me is retail prescription drugs. And this is according to the report from, like I said, the CMS, U.S. Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So um, there was a prediction that the, the increase in cost would be 5.3%. It came in far lower than expected. Um, still an enormous spend for America. It's still, you know, right around that <clears throat> right around that 18% of GDP. But there seems to be a possible data point that shows that the cost curve has maybe bent um, for the last two years. Now, who's to say if that's good or bad? Because it's one data point, especially with the fact that it looks like there was a um, a utilization of services decrease from a, from a hospital perspective, especially outpatient. Um, so either, you know, there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, 
we are utilizing services much smarter or more efficiently, or folks are just not going to see the physician that they probably should see. So we could debate about, debate about that. I think it'd be great for everyone to check that out. It's very fascinating, especially off the heels of this um, dialogue around EHR and the expense that the healthcare system put into it. So check it out. Great. So this concludes today's High Five podcast, and we want to hear from you about this episode or other topics that may be on your mind. Please feel free to contact us at 888-BYNAMIC and share your message. And until the next cast, have a great day.